Hello everyone, and I guess welcome to the Escape Pod. Um, yeah, this pod takes very inconsistent trips, but regardless, I felt that it was time, and I needed an, an escape from the stresses of life, you know, from school and whatnot. Uh, and who doesn't, from time to time? So, today's topic of wonder is about outer space. And I will be trying to answer the question, or I guess the main question, of are we really alone? So, are we alone? Um, nah, probably not. But, you know, let me elaborate. Um, going forward, I want you guys to keep uh, this quote in mind. Uh, it was by an author by the name of uh, Arthur C. Clarke, and he stated that two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe, or we're not, and both are equally terrifying. So let's look into the that first possibility. Um, I'd say that being alone is far worse than having a bit of company. I mean, space is unforgiving and very daunting. So because of this, it's it's very hard for all conditions to be met in order for life to be supported. You know, that's why we haven't found any advanced societies such as ours uh, anywhere else yet. I mean, just look at Mars. No atmosphere, and almost all of the observable landmass is brown. And that land is basically, or at least on the surface is the chemical formula iron oxide. And but then if you think about that with such prevalent, you know, evidence of this iron oxide, um there has to be water somewhere since the stoichiometry, you know, the balance of a chemical reaction for its, you know, coefficients. Sorry to get all sciency, but if you look at the chemical formula for rust, which is what iron oxide is, has to react with iron and there has to be a resulting water somewhere. So the question is where? I mean, I remember one time I was listening to Joe Rogan and he was talking to Elon Musk and Elon said that there could be lots of water on Mars. It's just a matter of finding it, A, but B, it's that it's frozen. And that once it's unfrozen, though, we could, you know, salvage it and actually use it. But regardless, we'll come back to Mars. Um, I know that it is very tough that of just accepting the fact of being alone. And there is some evidence to, you know, support that we could we could quite possibly be alone. I mean, but... On the other hand, you have to understand that our sphere of sight in any given direction um, around Earth, you know, even with the aid of telescopes and everything, is only so far. And, you know, we can't see forever in one direction. We can only see, I don't know, I don't, I don't know the exact amount of light years, but it's not infinite, it's my point. So, it is... You know, it's astronomically hard to understand and explore what lies beyond that sphere. 
So, and in addition, since the universe is expanding because of the observed redshift, you know, new planets on the edge of the universe or just, you know, outside of our reach could be able to support life and at this current point in time are. It's just that we haven't found them yet. I mean, side note, redshift is similar to like the, the Doppler effect, you know, that effect where cars sound a higher pitch when they're approaching you, but lower when they move past you. And that's to do with like wave frequency and all that. But going back to the universe, redshift was used to observe that the visible light being collected had a shift to the red side of the visible light spectrum, meaning that the frequency was lower suggesting that the edge of the universe is moving away from us. And then if you talk about in the eyes of physics, since the acceleration is not zero and essentially there's no friction because it's space, you know, it's the absence of everything. There's nothing stopping or slowing down this growth. So if the acceleration is not zero, then the velocity will continue to in increase at an exponential rate without slowing so but if we think about the universe in the time that we've observed which is to be 13 around 13.8 billion years old you know that's a pretty wide margin of time for life to live and expand so we may not have been alone but those societies could not simply stand the test of time or there could be unforeseeable things in their future that were on the level of an extinction level event that they couldn't survive you know and going back to us Stephen Hawking once predicted that I think there is about a one percent chance of experiencing an extinction event every century and as the centuries continue and we fail to see these these events your odds start to go up and you know the imminent threat of an extinction level event you know it'll happen eventually not saying it'll happen tomorrow but you know relatively speaking and as Ultron said in the second Avengers film you know, there were more than a dozen extinction-level events before even the dinosaurs got theirs. And if that statement holds, then we're due for ours relatively soon. And, sure, the extinction-level events, we're only talking about Earth. And our future might not even include Earth, since, you know, Elon Musk wants to go to Mars and beyond. And I know I talked about Mars before, but I guess we'll sort of focus on both now. I know, and on the subject of just that with Elon, he said that, and this is one of my favorite quotes, he said, there have to be reasons that you get up in the morning and you want to live. Like, why do you want to live? What's the point? What inspires you? What do you love about the future? And for Elon, his vision was that he sees mankind being among the stars and being a multi-planet species, because if we just stay on Earth, we're dooming ourselves. He said he was talking about how using fossil fuels is just a terrible experiment that is no longer needed to be run. You know, there are alternate fuels or alternate 
energy sources such as, such as electricity. But regardless, I mean, with his vision of just being multi-planet species, you know, it does incite wonder and it makes me actually believe in his vision. I don't know about any of you, but, you know, I do buy into it. I mean, honestly, he is our best chance. He really, you know, he does things for the fun of it. He's immensely smart and it's not like he's exactly short of money so he is able to do a lot of things i mean he launched his own car from his garage into space for the fun of it like what i mean he runs the boring company which are you know those underground tunnels in la because he got tired of traffic one day he's doing Neuralink, where he wants to basically skip the path of the phone to the brain and he just wants to put a chip in the brain to allow access to internet and stuff like that he also has hyperlink which is basically allowing all parts of the globe such as like the arctic or um you know certain deserts or you know rural areas um that are or just areas that are not as readily able um to access the internet he wants to make hyperlink so they can access the internet and obviously it's not going to be as strong as like your local 5g or whatever g in the future tower that's sitting next to you but it will be a step in the right direction for internet access for everybody i mean he also runs spacex which is taking a big step into privatized space travel and space flight and he also runs tesla which, uh, you know, I don't really think I need to explain that. And he started with Cash App, so I really don't think there's anything he can't do. I just think that he needs a bit more time. And if he does succeed, or one of his successors in the future succeeds, and we do become a multi-planet species, then we run into the second option of what Arthur C. Clarke stated, and that we are in fact not alone, and that we could be out here with some aliens. I mean, look, Earth has seen a lot of UFO and like extraterrestrial sightings, and whether or not those are true or not, you sort of have to at least consider that there could be something else out there as opposed to just us. I mean, if we think about all the meteors that hit Earth every year, and that even a small fraction of them are believed to be extraterrestrial, you know, it's hard to deny that we are, in fact, alone. So, but, you know, it's anyone's guess, really. I mean, with another one of his talks with Joe Rogan, Elon suggested that there are many, many civilizations on other planets throughout time. Um, it's just the issue is that they go extinct because they are unable to move, or exhaust all their resources, or certain things come up that they can't see, like like I was talking about earlier, and it's just unavoidable. But, you know, with the exhausting all their resources, I think that that is our issue. I mean, we look at fossil fuels. Although I do love cars and everything that moves and things that power it, you can't say that it's beneficial 
to nature and everything else, you know, if anything, it's hurting us a lot more than it's helping us. I mean, sure, it's convenient, and it was the first thing that we gathered, but when Ben started up in, what, 18, oh gosh, 1894 or something like that, late 1800s, you know, fuel was what they needed to create power, and through that evolution, we're now just at a time where fuel efficiency is becoming a real thing. Whereas, you know, the hundred years prior, it wasn't, you know. So I think it's just a little too late on that front. And then just with everything else, I think that humankind's just nature is to be parasitic. You know, I don't really see a beneficial, a mutually beneficial nature to where nature is thriving along with humankind. It's one or the other. And unfortunately for us, it's humankind. So I do believe, going back to Elon, that he is right, that we do need to become a multi-planet species because eventually our resources will run out. And... As Thanos said, there's not enough to go around. So, by the way, leave a five-star rating if you agree with Thanos' ideology of wiping out 50% of living beings in order to preserve resources. And leave a five-star rating if you disagree. Got him. Um, but if we go back to just the galaxies and universe and outer space, if we think about the amount of possible exoplanets that could support life, you know, we're talking about just the Milky Way with the Kepler space mission, you know, of, what was it, I think it was like a two-week period of observing or something like that, of a little piece of outer space that showed evidence of an, S of like, I think it was like an estimated like 40 billion uh, exoplanets that could support life, like ours. And that's just in the Milky Way. That's just our galaxy. So think about how many other planets or moons or anything that could support life just like us, you know, and like the Andromeda Galaxy, which is our pretty sure our closest neighbor, or, you know, any other galaxies that we can observe. And, you know, there are millions and millions of galaxies in the universe. I think it, I think it was like... I think it's reported that there's an estimated hundred, like a hundred billion galaxies, but even that number is growing because the universe is expanding at an exponential rate, you know? So with other life forms, I mean, it's hard to deny that there is a strong possibility that we're not alone. It's just that they could be on the other edge of the universe. I mean, and these life forms may have been able to find the key to survive or have taken that next step that we are currently taking. You know, maybe that step for them was to be able to find a new energy source. And for us, I feel like that is electricity. But even then, that becomes an issue. Because with electricity, you know, you're talking about tons of fuel cells. Like, if you look at, well, I think it was the Tesla Model X, the one with the gullwing doors that flap up in the air and do a celebration mode. That got a perfect five-star crash rating, and they couldn't roll it over. And that's because of the center of gravity 
of it was so low that it takes an immense amount of force to roll it over. And in the grand scheme of an, a car accident, it is highly unlikely that it'll ever roll. I mean, and then you think about the power source itself. It is basically just a bunch of fuel cells acting as, you know, batteries. And those batteries are not cheap, A. And B, where do you get it from? Obviously, you get the electricity from, like, your house. Like, you plug it in and you don't think about it. But then the issue becomes, where are you actually mining the resources to make those batteries? You know, for the Toyota Prius, I know way back when, when, when that was the craziest new thing and hybrid technology had been modernized and made into a consumer product that was affordable. Um, I think they mined their resources all the way from uh, Canada to South America for Af- and Africa, um, and then it was it would go on boats all the way to the assembly factories in Japan, where the headquarters of Toyota is. You know, if you think about if you think about batteries in that sense, then it becomes a sort of issue that will it's not prevalent right now, but throughout time and in our future I think it will become more of an issue because these resources are not going to renew themselves and even though they do like such as fossil fuels it's not at a rate that will continue to increase it'll only decrease so you know but talking about with other life forms with energy you know life forms may have taken that other step to you know get one step closer to infinite energy where something like a Dyson sphere could exist and not Dyson like the vacuum but a Dyson sphere is basically this like huge megastructure it's hypothetical at this point for humankind at least but what it is essentially is the purpose is to harness the control and harness the energy of a star Um, and there are many ways to do it you know you could just use its gravity and put a whole bunch of mirrors around it and then shine like a little beam into it into all of the mirrors around it and it'll keep reflecting and keep gaining speed and all that fun stuff and will and then that life form would be able to harness the energy of a dyson sphere and of the star so whatever the step is you know and then once you're able to gain infinite energy, things become a lot easier. So, you know, just think about it. If we were able to have that much energy, we could probably do anything. So, but I don't know. And if we go back to just the amount of planets that could host life, like ours at least, you know, they may have lived in a different time or will live in a different time. And if you talk about time then you sort of run into the idea of time travel and relativity. And while I don't know and I don't think it's possible to travel backwards in time, it is possible to travel forwards in time because of relativity. So if we're moving fast enough and everything else, relatively speaking, is not moving at all or moving very slowly, like that scene in Interstellar when they got stuck on the water planet because of those huge waves and then they came back and it was like ah, geez I don't know like 70 years later or whatever um, 
that is possible. And it's not like we don't think of it as like hot tub time machine or like back to the future where we just hop in a DeLorean or whatever or on a train and set the time and we can go that fast. No, it's just that our observance of time passing is different from another person's observance of time passing. And that has to do with a whole bunch of general relativity, you know, from Einstein's field equations. I mean, maybe one episode soon I'll talk about it and how to derive it and all the that fun stuff and what it means and all the different combinations. But, you know, I don't really think that we need that right now. So, but just thinking about these planets and all all that fun stuff with aliens, I think it's possible. And we're just talking about just planets that could support life, like of what we considered life. You know, we're not even considering the fact that there could be a whole bunch of other galaxies and planets and other things that could support life with conditions that are not ideal to us, but ideal to other life forms that have adapted. You know, life, life always finds a way. And, you know, a good example is like the common thing that you see with like things growing through a sidewalk, a crack in the sidewalk. You know, if you're taught, if you're looking at it initially, you're like, oh, well, shouldn't be growing because flowers can't be supported by concrete. But then you look underneath and you see that there are things that are able to support, such as like the soil and the nutrients under it that can support, you know, weeds or flowers or whatever. And I think that the same holds true for stuff like that. We're looking on a, on a surface as opposed to actually looking underneath it and seeing that there are other possibilities and other factors that we're just not considering. And, you know, I may be wrong, but I'm just a, I'm just a kid. So what do I know? But I think that if we get to Mars, I think it'll help us out, A, but B, I think it'll make people believe that, you know, anything is truly possible with the term in terms of, you know, intergalactic flight and stuff like that. Like things won't become a science, like things will actually be a science fiction movie. They won't just be fantasy anymore. And even if people say it can't be done, I mean, look at flight in general for a good example. I mean, the New York Times long ago once published an article saying that it would take, I think, over like a hundred years in the future for flight to be possible, right? And then a week later, the Wright brothers made their famous, I think it was like 320-something foot flight um, on a beach in, I think it was like near Kitty Hawk or whatever it was, um, of North Carolina. And you think that just because somebody's narrative is strong doesn't mean that it's true or that it can be proven wrong. So, and then if you look at flight, it only took another, what was it, 66 years for man to take off from Earth and walk on the moon as a result of space travel. You know, anything's possible. It's just a matter of time and if we're able to do it. But then you think about it and that I think that that is our main issue. It's just time, you know, as Rocky said, time's undefeated. So 
it's going to be tough to figure out a solution when you're on a time constraint and not a time constraint like your due dates next Friday, but where you're thinking so many years ahead like Elon is about just mankind and survivability and everything like that, that, you know, it does get tough to be able to see a situation to where everybody is benefiting. But I don't know. Give us a little bit more time and we'll figure it out. But just, we got to keep it tight. So I guess in closing, um, I don't know. I guess I'll say a few things and then wrap it up. Um, this, it's not really a first because I, you know, I used to do episodes long ago. But this particular flight was piloted by myself because I'm poor with no sponsors. So, you know, sponsors hit me up. But I also wanted to shout out uh, my mom's new business. Um, she deserves the best and I love her. So please go support her on Instagram at JK Injectables. It's all one. No underscores. No uppercase. It's all one. Um, it's her and... Uh, her friend, uh, Miss Tishnell, and together they're doing, um, like as the name suggests, like injectables like Botox and like eyebrow lifts and stuff like that. So, you know, if you're ever in the area, just go, go make an appointment. And, you know, I think it means the world to my mom if and to me if you could support her because I think she really deserves it. She She's worked hard on this. Um... And then I guess going back to the main question of whether or not we are alone, you know, with all the overwhelming evidence, and I know the first possibility seems like a logical response of just being alone, but I would have to say no. I just feel that the chances of being absolutely alone are too slim to be true. And whether or not the time stamp that we are currently living in just shows that we are alone that doesn't mean that in other times or in the future there will be other life forms you know so i just i just think that even though we haven't been able to observe it it's not impossible and that i think that there are other advanced societies out there it's just a matter of if we find them or if they find us i mean just look at nasa i'm pretty sure it's nasa they set out they sent a uh little like drone into space just flying through space. I think it's, I don't know, I forget how often they do it, but it has every known language, dead or alive, known to man, and they just send it out, you know, from Latin to hieroglyphics of the Egyptians to just modern day English or Spanish or Portuguese or whatever. They send it out in hopes that there is and will be a response, or at least that they're able to intercept it. So, I mean, and then, you know, look at, like, the movie Contact from, like, what was it, 1987, where the aliens were communing, uh, communicating with the humans via a radio signal giving prime numbers to show that they're intelligent, you know? I just, going back, I just think that the odds are way too small um, of us being alone and that we have a far greater chance of being correct if we believe that we're not alone. But, you know, finally, I think that I just want to say that some of these principles can be taken and used into day-to-day life, you know. No matter how alone you feel, 
just know that nothing's too far away. Um, I guess, I guess this is pretty much it. Uh, thank you all so much for bearing with me and boarding this little pod and going on this fun trip with me to outer space. I mean, I know that above all else, space provides an infinite sense of wonder for me. And I hope it does, you know, even, even a fraction of what I feel for you as well. And I hope that I'm able to provide a sense of enjoyment or an education or something that takes you away from what you're currently facing. So with that, I really, I hope you, you enjoy the rest of your day or night, weekend, week, whatever, but hopefully I'll talk to you next episode and I'll see you next time.